Jeremiah chapter 31 and starting in uh, verse 31, it says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, uh, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is a covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. For I, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their uh, wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word on today. This scripture is found here in Jeremiah chapter 31, but it is reiterated in Hebrews chapter 8. The identical context of this is uh, reiterated there because as I have said before, whenever there is a truth in the Word of God, there is a scarlet thread of that truth throughout Scripture. Anytime that there are uh, all kinds of occults and there are false uh, religions that are rising up all the time, and all, none of them hardly will ever be based without some kind of uh, biblical Scripture in it. The problem is, is they take one scripture and they build a religion out of it, but not having it in context. And so that is the reason why it is built line upon line and precept upon precept. And God informed Jeremiah here that Jeremiah, the people of promise, the new covenant, the one that would uh, to uh, supplement, to fulfill, to empower, uh, there was a new covenant that God would make with his people. And so that's what the Christmas covenant is all about. When we look at this Christmas covenant, one of the first things that we find is it is, to, it is a uniting covenant. That he says in verse 31, Behold, the days come, says the Lord, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. No longer is it a separation among God's people. No longer is it Israel and Judah. No longer is it tribe against tribe or uh, family against family or region against region or the mighty against the weak. But he says now there's a covenant that comes to unite us. And that's what uh, the Christmas covenant is all about. It's about bringing unity bringing unity to mankind. We know that there's all kinds of things today that are created in our world to de-unify us, to cause us to war one with another. We have in, within our system today, we have um, people that are trying to destroy and divide us between racial backgrounds. He is trying to divide us along the lines of, of, of race, and not only race, but also where you're 
are in life as far as your economic platform is. They try to divide us with political systems if you're Democrat or Republican. All of this is to bring division among us. But Jesus comes and he says, I am going to bring a new covenant that will unify, that will bring people together. And today, the, today this morning at 10 o'clock here uh, on the East Coast, but at 10 o'clock all around America today as it goes around this nation, people will be coming from every kindred, tribe, and tongue. It is a place where that the Hispanics and the blacks and the whites and the Asians will all come together and they will lift up one voice in unity to worship and magnify the King of Glory. Can somebody give him praise today? Amen. It seems as though we can get along nowhere else in America, but we can get along in the house of God because we are here to celebrate, amen, the covenant of Christmas. Amen. In Ezekiel, he says in Ezekiel 37 and verse 16, as for you, son of man, take a stick for yourself and write on it and for Judah and for the children of Israel and his companies and take another stick and write on it for Joseph and for the stick of Ephraim and all of the house of Israel and his company and join them to one another uh, into one stick. And so he is speaking here, even in Ezekiel's day, he is referring to and speaking to a day that will come when all of mankind will come together. And so this is what God is wanting today. That's the reason why he sent his son Jesus Christ is so that we could be unified and we can have oneness of heart. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 5 through 13, it says Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the, righteous, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no uh, distinction between the Jew and the Greek, or for the same Lord over all, which is rich to all who called upon him, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Amen. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, a lot of people use, as I said, we use uh, scripture sometimes out of context, and I've heard it preached, and you probably have too, that uh, people said that God is no respecter of persons. And when they're generally referring to is that 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 you can be a, a, a lost person, a person without Christ, you can be what we 
a title, a sinner, and then that, that you can be a saint or a Christian redeemed by the blood, living your life for Jesus Christ, and that God doesn't make any difference between you. But that is not true. If that were true, then we could live our lives in the flesh, just doing what we desire to do, and then God would bless us the same as he would bless those who have surrendered their life to Christ. What that scripture re really means is that it doesn't matter what your background is and the ground is level at the cross it doesn't matter if you're a Hebrew you're a Greek you're a Gentile you're a male or a female everyone must come to Jesus through the blood of Jesus Christ there is no respecter in that but if you will call upon the name of the Lord <laughs> hallelujah if you'll call upon the name of the Lord the most vile sinner but if you'll call on the name of the Lord the person that's been raised up in the church and done most all everything right but have never surrendered your life to Christ but if you'll call upon the name of the Lord it is there at that place at Calvary and when you surrender your life to Christ that he is no respecter of persons whatever you have done we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God but thanks be to God who has given us the victory how through and by Jesus Christ and when we call upon the name of the Lord he is able and just and forgives us of all of our sins can somebody thank him for that this morning <laughs> I'm thankful today that he is uniting us amen this covenant of Christmas is a diff deferring covenant. He says here in verse 32, not according to the covenant that I made with your fathers, that is in the day that I took them in by the hand and led them out of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. Right? So he says, this is not the covenant I made with them at Sinai. This is not the one that, that is of the, the laws and all of the commandments and all of the covenant that I made. He said, this is a new covenant. This is different. He, he is very explicit in letting us know, even here in, in the Old Testament, he is letting us know of a day that is coming. In other words, this covenant was never put into place expecting to last forever. This covenant was only to be in place until Jesus comes. And when Jesus comes, he does not do away with the law. He fulfills the law. And so the covenant, the old covenant, is fulfilled. It is, it is the same way that, that you use uh, when you build a building and you use cranes and you use all kinds of tools and great uh, things to be able to build the building, but you don't leave them in the building. They are removed from the building as necessary. And so the law was never meant to last. It wasn't meant to stay. It was only meant to bring us to an understanding that we could not do it without Jesus. That the law caused us to understand that we were not able to fulfill, to keep, or to accomplish. But there was one that was coming, and this covenant was a better covenant, Hebrews said. It is one that we don't have to, it isn't all about us, it is all about him. Right? And so 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 5, he said, Now the purpose of the commandments is love from 
a pure heart from a good conscience and from a sincere faith which some have strayed and have turned aside to idle talk desiring to be teachers of the law understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm but we know that the law is good if one has uh, uses it lawfully knowing this the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and the insubordinate and the ungodly, for sinners and for the ungodly who profane for murders of fathers and murders of mothers and manslayers and fornicators and uh, sodomites and kidnappers and liars and perjurers, for there is any other thing that the uh, contrary to sound doctrine. And so he says here, he says, this is for people that, that are not in covenant. These are not for people that are saved, for this is the people that are wicked. To understand that you are not doing right, right? <coughs> but we are under the umbrella of the Christmas covenant. What is the Christmas covenant? The Christmas covenant is also an individually but a, co a collective covenant. He said, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. He said, I will put my law in their minds. Right? Romans 12 and 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. Right? And so he's saying here, he says, in the Old Testament, he said, I'm going to put my law in their hearts and on their minds, but Romans clarifies it and says, don't be transformed to this world. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind, right? There has to be a renewing. Can you imagine the disciples trying to figure all of this new covenant out whenever they have been taught they have been trained it has been embedded into their mind this is the way that we do things here and for generations excuse me after generations they learned the law they understood the law. They knew all there was to know about the law. And now suddenly there comes a man named Jesus. He's born, and we'll get to all of that next week. <coughs> but then John sees him on the side of the river one day and says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And there is a new covenant that is established 
And now they are trying to figure all of that out. How does this work? You know, it, 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 surely it, it confused them. Surely it took a moment for them to grasp this, that it isn't all about labor, toil, and sweat. It's not about my deeds. It's not about how good I can do a thing. But, but now it is me being able to surrender. And the only thing that I have to strive to get into is to strive to enter into his rest. I enter into what Jesus has already done. It was a paradigm shift. Everything shifted that day. And so I can understand how, that, how they had problems with it. But now we're over 2,000 years later. And people are still wanting to live in the law. live under guilt and condemnation and you think you're going to get somewhere that way but all we have to do it isn't about a laboring and a striving Jesus took all of that away the only only sacrifice that was remained after the finished work of Calvary was for us to worship God the sacrifice of praise amen now, if I'm wrong, I, I'm open to that. And, and anybody that can find anything different, I, I, I mean that sincerely. I would be open to understanding that. But as far as my studies, the only sacrifice that remains is the sacrifice of praise. Jesus fulfilled all of the other requirements necessary. And now all I have to do is enter into the rest of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And there I surrender my life, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is my reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing. Take on and think on these things. Know what Jesus did for us when he came to this earth he didn't just come to this earth and lay in a manger and he didn't just come to this earth and and go through the form and the rigors of religion he came to bring us a Christmas covenant that would change the world <laughs> glory to God a covenant that we would understand that he, there is a renewing of our minds so that it isn't no longer about the laws and the guilt and the condemnation, but it's about the grace, the mercy, and the peace of God that causes me to want to live right. Amen. People say, well, what, what about it? Well, the law is always sin conscious. It points us and points out the sin in our lives. It points out and points us always to sin. And, and, and where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? What is, where you're going to go is what is on your mind. Right? If you're thinking about a steak... You're not going to end up at Wendy's. Amen? You're going to end up at Texas Roadhouse. Right? If you're always thinking about sin and how that sin has controlled you and dominated you, that is always going to bring you back and pull you back into that sin nature. Thinking on those things all the time. 
But whenever I think about what Jesus did when he came and he renewed my mind that I'm no longer a sinner, I'm no longer a wretched worm, I'm no longer trying to make it, huh? but I have made it. I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I've been purchased by his own blood. I'm a partaker of his divine nature. My name has been written down in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. And so now to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm not worried about it. I don't have Malax moments and saying, I wonder if I'm going to make it. Right? Because the blood's good. <laughs> the covenant's good. Amen. And if I'm in covenant with him and I surrender my life to him, then I renew my mind to understand that I'm not a wretched worm, that I'm not just an old beggar, that I'm not just an old sinner saved by grace. But there was a transfer, there was a change, there was a DNA shift in me, in my spirit, that I become the son of the living God. Amen. Royalty is in my veins. Right? And I've told you the other week, you know, the sound of defeat is silence. And when you don't know who you are, you go around mumbling. Right? You go around with your head down and you try to slip in and slip out. But whenever you know who you are, when you know you are the redeemed, when you know that you have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ and that blood has been applied to your life and your mind has been renewed until you're not a wretched worm but you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He has made you righteous. He has made you the beloved, right? And now we can walk around and know that we have been conformed not to this world but the new covenant that Jesus Christ has brought for you and for me. And that's the reason Ephesians 4 tells us in verse 17, This I say therefore and testify of the Lord that you should no longer walk in the, as the rest of the Gentiles walk in fertility, uh, futility of, in their minds, having uh, their darkness, understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of ignorance, that is in them because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have gained themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness and greediness but you have not so learned Christ if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceptfulness lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness amen And so he says, you need to be renewed in your spirit. Where at? In your mind. The battleground is not out there. The battleground is right here. Amen. It is a battleground whenever, as a man thinks in his heart. 
That's how he is. Amen. If you think you're a wretched sinner, you're right. (laughs) But if you think you're the righteousness of Christ, in Christ Jesus, you're right. (laughs) Amen. How do you want to live your life? If you have surrendered your life, if you have come to this Christmas covenant, if you have come to know Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, if you are living in your own mind and you're thinking you're, all a, you're so terrible and you're so wretched and you're always living in your past, then you'll never get free from that. That's the only thing that you'll ever know. But if you're renewed in your spirit, where in, the, in your mind, then there is a renewing in your mind that, hey, I'm not that anymore. I'm not that. There is, a, there is identity crises because, because that's who I used to be, but that's who I was in Adam. But Adam died and I married another, which is Christ. Glory to God. And whenever I married him, the old Adam died and the man and the woman that I used to be is no longer. And so I'm not going to carry that carcass around. It's dead. It's gone. But now I rose in a newness of life. I have a new covenant. I have a new mind. And that mind is stayed in Christ Jesus. And I know the perfect and acceptable will of God is for me to live like Christ in the earth. Amen. And so I don't go around holding on to what has been because that's dead. Say it's dead. It's not good to carry around dead things. Amen. Dead things get to stinking. Right? And too many people's carrying carcasses around of their past. But when you, who, who the sun sets free is free indeed amen those yokes that 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 of who you used to be it there isn't some of it left there isn't a little bit you it's cut off it's severed off of you and now you are you raise up in a newness and when you raise up you don't raise up in adam you raise up in christ and so now i put on that mind that is in christ jesus Can you imagine for a millisecond Jesus walking around in the earth saying, Oh, I'm so wretched. Oh, I wish I could do more. I wish I could do better. No. He knew who he was. Amen. He knew who he was. And he walked around with authority. Never a man spoke like this man, they said of him. (laughs) They heard those scriptures read a thousand times. But whenever he opened up the book of Isaiah and said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. They said, "Never, We've heard it before, but we ain't never heard it like that. Because he knew who he was. He found himself in scripture and he began to speak it and declare it. And that with authority. And we have to walk in authority. We have to know who we are. And we say, yes, that is true what I used to do. Yes, it is true what they say that I used to be. But that's not who I am any longer. I am now in the covenant of Christmas. I am in Christ Jesus. And he has created me to be who he said that I should always been. Amen. And so we're still under the umbrella of Christmas. It's individual, but it's collective. 
Amen. And lastly, it's relational. This covenant of Christmas is relational. He said, no more shall every man teach his neighbor or every man his brother, saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sins I will remember no more. Amen. For they shall all know me. That's powerful, isn't it? For they shall all know me. Whenever the America that we're in today is America much different than the one I grew up in, and probably is you too. I grew up in north, northeastern Ohio. We weren't in the Bible Belt, but everybody respected God. There was only one person on our road that I knew in the area that did not go to church on Sunday. And I thought he was a weirdo. Everybody went to church. Some people go get drunk on Saturday, but they get up and go to church on Sunday. They knew they weren't right. They weren't being, they weren't being hypocrites. They just had a reverence for God, even though they knew they weren't living right. Anybody understand what I'm saying? They was, there was there, and it was, it was weird because this individual didn't even think anything about that, and, and it, it seemed weird. And, and now it seems like that, that a few years have passed us by, and now that you're the weirdo in the community if you get up and go to church at 930 on Sunday morning. Is it true? We, 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 we are living in times that are shifting. We're living in times, but, but the promise of God is that he said with this Christmas covenant, he said, no longer will you have to tell your neighbor about me. He said, they shall know me. He, he is referring there to know as Cain knew Abel and, and had some children. In other words, it's an intimate word to know. It is not just to know about someone, it is to know them intimately. And whenever you come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you have an intimate knowing of Him and relationship with Him, then it causes us to want to tell other people about Him. It, wants, it causes us to want to share how good he has been to us in our life. And you see, you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a worship leader. You don't have to be a Sunday school teacher. All you have to do is know him. And when you know him, you can't mess it up. I said, when you know him, you, you can't mess it up. You can be of the most educated, and thank God for that. You can have more degrees than a thermometer, and thank God for that. Or you can be a, a person that has a third grade education, but when you come to know him, 
and you have a personal relationship with him it'll do something in your life that you'll want to share his goodness with those around about you and I'm telling you today that whenever God touches a person's life he doesn't do it over in a corner somewhere when God touches a person's life he doesn't do it in a secret place but when he you may be by yourself but it isn't secret amen whenever whenever Lazarus was dead he was alone and by himself but you can't raise the dead in the city and not know about it amen whenever that man had a withered hand and Jesus went up and said stretch forth your hand you can't do miracles and people not know about it and whenever God has come into your life and you have received this Christmas covenant this new covenant this better covenant and he changes you from the inside out he transforms you into his likeness and his image he takes the bitter out he takes the anger out he takes the hatred out he takes yesterday out and he fills you full of purpose and promise and destiny and he creates in you a new mind and a new spirit and he lets you know that you're the righteousness of God I'm telling you you can't do anything else but let people know he has been mighty good to you he has taken you from a horrible pit and put your feet upon a solid and a firm foundation he wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life he called you by your name and said you are mine and when you go through the waters they'll not overflow you and when you go through the fire it'll not kindle upon you for you are mine and I'm going to bring you out into a wealthy place he's a mighty good God because when it seems that everything else has turned against you and the world is upside down you can still put your confidence in the covenant that he has created for you and I and know that it is good for everything he has promised hallelujah do I have anybody that knows it's true He said, everybody's going to know me. Everyone's going to know me. <laughs> Why is everybody going to know me? Because I'm all of that. He's God. Amen. He's God. There's some idol gods. There's some false gods. There's some religions, false religions that come across our nation and our world, but there are none of them that have touched the universe like Christ. They didn't change the dates when Buddha died. Krishna, Muhammad, Huh? But time today still is marked by the death of Christ. It's either BC or AD. <laughs> Why? Because all men shall know me. Glory to God. You see, he is known because. He is everything that he said he was going to be. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught by God. Therefore, anyone who has heard and learned 
from the Father comes to me. Matthew eleven twenty seven says that all things have been delivered to me by my Father and no one knows the Son except the Father nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. John 17 and 3 he said and this is eternal life that they may know you and the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What is true life? That they may know you. There is no life outside of Christ. 1 John 2 and 27. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and this is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him, and now the little children abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Amen. He says in Galatians 3 and 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Right? One more scripture, Romans 11 and 26 and so all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them and when I take their sins away. Then I'll take their sins away. He is a God of relationship. He's not a God that is far out there somewhere that, that has got his angels keeping count of everything that we've done wrong and everything that we've thought wrong and everything so that, that he can mark it against us and write it down. He is looking for himself in you. He is looking for his grace, his love. He is looking for you to be a part of this covenant of grace and mercy so that, that, that you represent him in the earth. And he wants you to know him personally, not as a religion, but a personal God. Not as a relationship that your grandparents or your parents or somebody else you knew in your family had, but he wants you to have a personal relationship with him for yourself. Nobody else can have that relationship for you but you. Nobody else can know him for you but you. But today, through the Christmas covenant, we don't have to go through our priest. <laughs> we don't have to go through somebody else. Because of the Christmas covenant, we can come personally and say, Lord, here I am. 
I surrender all my will, my way, my wants, my desires. I, I give you my life. And when we give him our life, surrender our life to him, he made it so easy that anybody can do it. He said, if you come to me with a godly sorrow, no wiles, I'll cast you out. You ask him, you believe at your heart, you confess with your mouth that Jesus died, was buried, and rose from the dead, and that you believe that he is the Son of God. And he says, if you believe that and you say that, then you are saved. It ain't the end of the journey, it's the beginning of the journey. <laughs> and your relationship and your covenant begins in Christ Jesus. I'm thankful for Christmas, aren't you? I'm thankful for Christmas. I know that in this time, in this season, it's easy to get so detoured with all of the chaos and the mess. Amen. We was working on Jordan's house yesterday doing some things and, and I had to run down to the mall. Not the mall, I went to that mall, got to the Lowe's. But I never was so thankful I wasn't going to that mall. <laughs> Amen. Because it, it, I, I, I'm not, I, I'm, I don't want to make anything up, but I'm sure the devil lives in there somewhere. <laughs> because it, it's a mess up in there. Somebody testify to that. I mean, I've seen old ladies get ran over in, in the mall before at this time of year. It gets dangerous up in there, right? And you can get caught up on all that stuff, and you can miss the real meaning that a new covenant has come into the earth that saved us, that redeemed us, that gave us hope and gave us a purpose. If you haven't called on his name, surrendered your life to Christ, today would be a great day to do that. If you've, you've grown cold and indifferent, because we can do that, and we can have that relationship isn't up to date and that covenant's not just fresh and new in our hearts and we may have wandered away from him. But he's always ever present with arms outstretched saying, come back, come on, recommit your life to him today. Whatever it is, if you haven't made that covenant, I want to encourage you today to make that covenant with him. Let your life be changed forever. Let today be the day that your mind begins to be renewed to who you really are in Christ Jesus. Now, I know I've given a lot of scriptures here today, but it'll lay the foundation for next week. But uh, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. So if you have not called upon him as they sing this morning, I want to invite you to come and let us pray together with you and give your heart and your life to Christ today. Amen. Praise God. Stand with me, please. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.